This is a really good time. This is a special time in the life of the church. We try to do this at least once a year, an opportunity for God's people to give testimony of the faithfulness, goodness, mercy, and grace of God in their lives. We have been made in the image of God. That means that there are many things about us that reflect who God is, not perfectly to be sure, but they do. There are also things about us that do not reflect God. One of the things that does not reflect God is that God is not forgetful. God never forgets. But we, his people, are often forgetful. We forget for a variety of reasons, all of which relate to our frailty and or our sinfulness. Our minds become cluttered with the cares of life, and we become forgetful. For some, age and infirmity begin to overtake us, and we can't remember like we once could. But often, our forgetfulness is a product of our ungratefulness. In uh, the first chapter of Paul's letter to the church at Rome, and he is diagnosing the sinful condition of humanity, and in verse 21, he speaks about them not thanking God, not thanking God, a characteristic of a heart that has that is uh, captivated by sin is that it's a heart that lacks gratitude. We forget what God has done for us. Paul says in Romans 8, if he would not withhold his own son from you, is there any good thing that he would not give you? The answer is, of course, no. The Scriptures taking uh, heed of the reality of our condition, both frail and sinful, contain multiplied admonitions to the people of God to remember. It is all over the Bible, Old and New Testament, over and over and over again. We are admonished by God to remember and to thank him. Sometimes uh, God provides for his people a memory tool, a device, a, a physical reality that is designed to help them remember the underlying spiritual reality. For example, in Numbers chapter 15, God, uh, through Moses, instructs the people to put tassels on their garments and they put tassels on their garments. Why? So that they will remember the commandments of God. When they see the tassels, they are to remember the commandments of God. In Exodus chapter 12, God gives them a feast to celebrate called Passover. And they are to celebrate Passover every year. And the purpose of the celebration is so they will remember the deliverance of God from bondage in Egypt. In the New Testament, Jesus provides a memory aid for us, and it's called the Lord's Supper. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 25, Paul, recalling Jesus' words, speaking of what we call communion, he says, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. Every time we take, we are to remember. These are, these are given by God to his people as memory aids. In the book of Joshua, the people having been delivered from Egypt, having wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and now ready to enter into the promised land, God is going to do some more amazing things in their midst. But one of the things he's going to do is he's going to part the Jordan River. He is going to dry it up temporarily so that the nation of Israel, two million plus people, can pass through this river in its flood stage on dry ground. And that's exactly what he does. But in Joshua chapter 4 and verses 1 through 7, it recounts God's words to Joshua to instruct the people to select one man, Joshua is to do it, to select one man from each of the 12 tribes who after the nation has passed through the river, they're to go back into the dry riverbed and they are to gather up a large stone and they are to carry it out of the dry riverbed. And then they are stacked them up on dry ground in the promised land. Why? So that future generations of children might look at this pile of massive river stones and ask, Dad, who put that pile there and why? That future generations would remember the deliverance of God. Well, what we're going to do this morning is to have a few of you come and to share with us God's mercy, God's grace, God's goodness, God's kindness in your lives. And to sort of commemorate that, we're going to ask at the end of each of you to come and to share that you, that you stack a stone here on this table in front of me. So we're going to build a little pile of stones. Now, they didn't come from the middle of the river, and they're not going to stay there forever. But they will be there this morning. And as you look at those stones, we'll have a visual reminder of the goodness of God. So let's begin. Good morning. My name is Jeremy Valenzuela. Some of you may know me because of my cousin Andy Valenzuela, or others may know me as the guy with the leaf blower and bright orange shoes on Saturday mornings. But anyway, for those of you who don't know me, hopefully by the end of my story, you'll know more about me. But more importantly, the story of a guy who was a slave to sin, but was undeservingly saved by God's amazing grace. I grew up in California and have lived in the Inland Empire my whole life. I come from a split family with many brothers and sisters, ten in total. In elementary school, I attended a small Lutheran church in Claremont, which allowed me to learn the basic stories of the Bible and who God was. Ever since I can remember, I knew who God was, and I knew he existed. And apparently, he had a son named Jesus, but somehow, at the same time, he was God, too. I was a little confused about the whole thing. But one thing I knew to be true was that I definitely did not have a personal relationship with either of them, or didn't even know it was possible. So growing up going to a public school didn't help with that too much. Quickly, I was socialized into living a worldly life. Then as I started high school, my unknown battle with sin didn't get any better. 
Almost immediately, I wanted to fit in with the cool kids and was willing to act a certain way I knew wasn't right. So it wasn't until my junior year in high school until my cousin Andy preached the gospel to me and brought me to FBC, specifically 128. Immediately, I was welcomed by two guys who were extremely friendly and who eventually turned out to be two of my really good friends today. I started to enjoy going to church and naturally was fascinated by the Word of God and its teachings. After getting comfortable... um, after getting comfortable and things started seeming to fall in place, of course the trials had to come. Me and my mom received news that our landlord was going bankrupt and the bank was going to take our house that we were renting. Without the sufficient financial stability to get a new house right away, we had to move in with my aunt and Colton. Things weren't so great over there. There was a constant tension and stress and anger between my mom and my aunt due to the burden of letting, of letting a family of six live in your house. This eventually caused us to move out after a few weeks and move with another aunt. It wasn't any better over there. One day there was an argument, and once again we were on the street with what it seemed like nowhere to go. After thinking who to call, my mom called an old friend from high school, and he let us stay with him for a bit. It seemed like there was no hope left for us, or very little. Then what a surprise on Thanksgiving of last year we were kicked out of that house. Now we truly seemed hopeless. However, in the midst of all these trials, God reached his hand out to me, and I finally decided to give up living for myself and completely pursued to have a personal relationship with my Creator. No matter what trials my family and I were to face, I took, so, uh, I took so much relief in knowing that God has a plan much greater than we may know, and all I had to do was follow Christ with my whole heart and submit to Him, and God would be on my side. Shortly after that, I was baptized to publicly declare my faith. From that point on, we had moved with a friend from my mom's church who helped us finally find our own home. As soon as we could move in, we did. Even if it meant sleeping on mattresses on the floor with no heater in a freezing house, it still felt like the greatest feeling on earth because it was our house. One thing I found out later in the future is my mom came to faith as well because she saw how God was molding me and how much relief I had when I would trust God completely. This was amazing news to me. But at the end of the day, the best feeling was knowing that the Lord is the one who provided our house, and my mom and I both knew that with our whole heart. So from that point on, I started to attend FBC every single Sunday for worship service and 128. Today, I'm actively participating in the college group and serving, the vi- serving in the video ministry, which has been awesome. This now led to me being the God-fearing man I am today. Nothing can even attempt to damage the relationship I have with God because of the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross to atone for my sin and give me new life. And I know I'll fail miserably, but because I can put all my faith in Jesus and let him guide me, I will obediently and happily follow. Thank you. For those that don't know us, this is my wife, Joan, and my name is Preston Smith. We um, knew each other in high school. I knew who she was from the sixth grade. She didn't know who who I was. (laughs) But I knew who she was. And I admired her personality and her heart. And uh, we were... Fortunate that we grew up in Christian homes, attended a strong church, Emmanuel Faith Community Church down in Escondido. And um, through that time, she much earlier, she 
took a verse, verses, and made those her life verse. Would you like to share? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. One of the things that I uh, had admired about Joan is that in that same passage, which is in Proverbs chapter 3, verse, she's not going to share this, so she'll probably turn bright red. But in um, verse 3 it says, Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And I truly believe, uh, not perfectly, but I truly believe she has lived that in her life. And that's, frank, frankly, one of the things that attracted me to her. Uh, later on uh, in college, we began to date. We got married. Uh, married in 1971. And uh, we both were involved. And in, I had accepted Christ. I had made a, a statement of faith uh, early in life. But then uh, asked the Lord into my heart again one more time. Nailed it down. Uh, my junior, between my junior and my senior year. Interesting thing is, little did I know that the minister that attracted me back to the Lord and to accept the Lord as, as my Savior was her brother, who happened to be a youth minister at the time. So I didn't know that the Foy family was going to have such a big effect in my life. Got through college, got married, um, did a lot of ministries, she and I both. And then once we got married and we had to relocate because of my job, I got moved to Anaheim. We kind of disappeared serving the Lord. Well, by the way, the verse that I had chosen was uh, James 2.26. And this is the King James, New King James, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. I knew I had a responsibility walking with Christ to serve him. However, I have to stand before you and admit that the rock of remembrance um, is needed because I forgot many times. When we transferred, we hid in a very large church up in Santa Ana. happened to be the same church that her brother at one time had been ministering at, and that's Calvary Church Santa Ana. And we didn't do anything other than go to church on Sundays at church, never go to Sunday school, never get involved. My job moved me again, and we ended up down in Montclair. We found out that that was too far away. We needed to find another church. And in one week... We had been contacted. She had been contacted three times. She called Emmanuel Faith Community Church, said, Hey, we're looking for a church in the Montclair Upland area. Do you have any suggestions? They did. They said, Upland Bible Church, for those that haven't been here long enough, that's part of the group that, that made this church, Upland Bible Church and uh, Foothill Baptist Church, to make Foothill Bible Church. But at that time, it was Upland Bible Church, and the interesting thing was, we drove up there, three people, our church, our insurance agent, and the pastor showed up all in one week. So we went up there and we went up mountain, made the turn, drove into the parking lot, and I said, no way. Tiny church. No place to hide. Chicken ranch on the north rose around the church, a little country church, and I said, no way. 
And she says, well, we're here. We're going in. (laughs) And that was, uh, this year will be 39 years. It's been a long time. A lot of things happen in our life. God has been faithful. We haven't necessarily always been faithful, particularly me. And we had a couple of major turning points in our lives. One, we wanted to have children when we moved. Joan had a miscarriage. And we didn't even know she was expecting. We didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. So we named that child Chris because it could be uh, either Chris or Christine. That was our first child. We'll get to meet him or her in the future. Couldn't have kids after that. There was a couple that came to be the youth minister. He had come. His name was um, Chris Bauer and his wife, Lori. She became pregnant. She had a child. They were very busy. And because they were very busy, they needed someone to take care of their son, Andrew. So Andrew had two mothers, had Lori and had Joan. Two sets of family rules. Knew how to obey both of them when he was in whichever house he was in. Chris got called. Uh, to the uh, Northern California. And uh, Lori says, we're not moving. And Chris said, why? And she said, because Joan can't have children. Doctor had told us chances of having kids would be like going out and getting hit in the head by a meteor. So it wasn't looking good. And she said, I'm not going because if we go, that will kill her. And so Chris says, okay, we'll pray about it. And within one month, she was expecting. So Lori says, okay, I guess we're going. Uh, We had our first child, Annette, in 1980. We had our second, uh, Tim, in 1982. They have been a great blessing to us. Uh, We now have uh, four grandkids, and they have been a, a great blessing to us. I wish I could say I always was serving the Lord faithfully. I have been able, we've had opportunities to teach, taught, I have taught children's, adults, uh, and everything in between, it seems, including high school for a short time with uh, Kim Nakamura at the time and others, and they were a great blessing to me. One thing about being a teacher, you get most of the blessing, and I highly recommend it. We came to a crossroads. Uh, I made a job change. Things weren't working out well, and I was under a lot of stress. And she was homeschooling, and we weren't communicating, and I became a very angry man, very frustrated man. And at that point in time, I wanted to split. Now, that's a problem. I was an elder. Well, not really an elder. We were called deacons, but we functioned as elders. I used to kiddingly say we were decals. And... um, so I was a DKL at the time and teaching a class, and uh, I wanted out. And I said, God, uh, I know that's not right. I need you to change that. Uh, would you please fix Joan? <laughs> and and um, within a month, I had a complete breakdown. I had a nervous, uh, nervous breakdown. The side of my face went numb. I had all kinds of uh, panic attacks. For those that you don't know what they are, for me, it was adrenaline hits where you think you're going to quit breathing or you're, you're going to have a heart attack. And it reached a point that um, I had 30 panic attacks in 10 minutes. 
And I also had a cranial uh, headache uh, from uh, muscles tightening up that lasted a year. So that was a living hell for me. God says, you want to get this fixed? I have to fix you. And that's exactly what he did. He was faithful. I couldn't understand at first why it was going on. And then I knew why. I remembered my prayer. And I go, okay, I'm the one that needs to get fixed, not her. And I'm standing to say that uh, God was very gracious. I was told by a a stress management uh, counselor, you will have these panic attacks the rest of your life. And that was uh, 24 years ago. And I haven't had one since. So God can heal you if he so chooses. Um, The other thing that was wonderful about this church body is that during that time, I was a, uh, the DK, a DKL, I was a son, teaching an adult Sunday school class, and the wonderful thing was that this church body did not throw me under the bus. Uh, the counselor said, whatever you do, don't tell the church body because they will stone you. And I felt that was wrong, so I had to confess it to my Sunday school class, I had to confess it to the elders. That day, I thought I was going to die. I remember singing and holding on to the pew, and I thought I was going to pass out. But God did heal me. And the amazing part was the church body did not stone me. They did not throw me under the bus. In fact, they enveloped me and held me up when I needed to be held up. So time's up. A lot more to share. won't share it. But um, I do want to say that, that God has... Um, been faithful to us, with us, even though we've not always been faithful. Has allowed us to grow in the Lord. Has allowed us to watch our children to grow in the Lord. And watch our children have their children. And it's exciting to see how they are introducing Christ to them. And I would like to stand here and say, God is faithful. Hi, FBC. I'm Christian Hultgren. This is my lovely wife, Christina Hultgren. <laughs> well, I guess we should recap. For those of you that don't know what happened to us, we had a fire sweep through our property, and um, it was pretty devastating to our family. Christina and the kids, um, they, they actually had to drive through fire to get out of here, and it was an interesting time. Um, we, we lost a lot in the process. We lost our garage and barn, trucks, tractors. and um, When it all happened, I was at work, and just a, a feeling of panic swept over me. And, <laughs> and uh, I just kept asking God to save my family. And um, I think pretty much what we want to do is thank the family of FBC for what they've done. We've been in a, the, uh, the crazy mode of life with young ones and, and, uh, schedules of keeping schedules, busy schedules. And, um, we, when the fire hit pretty much, it kind of stopped life in its tracks and just really made us think. So it's those life changing things that really make you reassess. What am I here for? What are we doing? (laughs) And, um, 
we've never experienced so much love come out of a church. We we have we saw so many people show up for our work days we did not expect. <laughs> and it, it brought us to tears. Just it really did. And just to see all the hard work done, just to help us get back on track a little bit. I mean, we're still in the middle of it. We're still going through it and working through it. Um, but those long days that were spent by the members of FBC and even people outside of FBC will never be forgotten. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we have a lot of people to invite and, and think and have lots <laughs> of dinners. <laughs> uh, we're just so thankful. And, and we see your faces every time we show up to church on Sunday. And I mean, there's so much, just so much in my mind, so, so much thankfulness and, and gratitude for the love that was shown. Mm-hmm. Just, we did see Christ's love come through the people of FBC. Man, what a wonderful thing. Yeah. <laughs> and there were those people that actually helped us. They weren't even here with us. They were actually um, helping us by other means. Um, just behind the scenes somehow, you know, yeah. organizing food, mm-hmm. organizing schedules, mm-hmm. uh, monetary donations to help us make it, you know, something came up and, and uh, it really helped us get through. So the cards we received, I mean, it's just tremendous. All of the things that have happened. We've met so many new people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, good things come from bad things. And, and the Lord yes. worked through this one mm-hmm. where we actually got to know a lot more of you guys after this happened. So I think it was a hidden blessing in so many ways. So, I mean, we're missing a garage. We're missing a barn. <laughs> but the bonds that were formed with the people, Christ's people, um, it, it, it's just been so wonderful to have that. We've even met more people in this area, our neighbors. Mm-hmm. Neighbors are reaching out and trying to help us and in the process, we were able to witness to them and mm-hmm. just ask them where they're at in their life. And so hopefully those bonds will continue to grow and we can keep working with those connections here in DeVore. Another thing that came from this is that there are people of, of mixed beliefs here in DeVore, uh, just Mormon and Eastern beliefs, and they were witnesses of the turnout, the work days here. They just mm-hmm. saw the trucks lying down the driveway. I, I think one day I counted 28 trucks. Yeah. <laughs> How many guys was that? That's a lot of people. And uh, one of the neighbors of another belief was just like, man, I, I can't believe that your church is doing that. That's, mm-hmm. that's incredible. So it has actually witnessed, besides, besides benefiting us as, as a family just right here, it, it has also witnessed to the community around us. Thank you so much. Just thank you so much. Thanks for letting me following that. (laughs) I had a joke, but I can't tell it now. All right, experiencing God's grace in your life, that does sound like a comedy routine almost. It sounds like, you know, lead into a comedy routine. If you've been married for a good bit of time and your wife does not want to divorce you, you might be experiencing God's grace. (laughs) If your kids still love you and honor you, even if you don't give them an allowance, you might be experiencing God's grace in your life. 
If the church you've been attending for just a year invites you to speak, you might not want to make stupid jokes. <laughs> Actually, when Art asked me to spoke today, he gave me an idea of what to touch on, and my first thought was, that's boring. These gonna be, there's going to be people up there telling these great stories, and you only tell that story? That's uh, going to make me look bad. But this caused me to remember that Paul Tripp, you guys know who Paul Tripp is? Uh, or Ted Tripp? Paul, take a trip. It was take a trip. Anyway, uh, he said that life is lived in the mundane. Life is lived in the mundane. We don't always experience those high, high things that are happening in our life. We don't always experience those low, low things happening in our life. Those things that are happening that, that it's, it's, it's easy to see God's grace when you look for it. You know, when things are going great, you can see God's grace. When things are going bad, you can see God's grace. But when things are just going, it's hard to see God's grace. And especially for me, because I, I, I seem to get into the mode of automatic. Because I, I, I kind of get the feeling that I'm doing it myself. But it's in those times that God is, 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 is great, because that's where we spend most of our lives. No matter where your mundane is, some of you guys live these, these vibrant, exciting lives much more than I do. But you don't climb mountains every day. So you do have mundane parts of your life. And it's in these spots where it's hard to see God's grace. But it's there. It's there all the time. And his grace abounds even in the mundane. It is one of these places where Art asked me to touch on. And to be fair, Art did give me a couple of ideas. But I'm kind of a boring guy. So I chose to talk about how we experience God's grace in finding Foothill. By the way, I didn't introduce myself, did I? My name is uh, Julianne. And this is my lovely husband. No. I'm Chris, and this is my lovely wife, Julianne. Uh, anyway, so we left our former church because it got to the point where the distance was just too great. Um, it was too hard to stay connected. And as the years went by, we found uh, that we knew less and less people. And we felt isolated and disconnected. We knew it was time to make a change, but to be honest... It was me. I was afraid because I, I was really connected at this other church, and I was just afraid to start all over. You know, because being new stinks. Building relationships is hard. And I didn't think a new church would appreciate my type of humor. <laughs> and they probably already have a big, ugly, bald guy. <laughs> Where's Ray? <laughs> Hopefully he's not here. Um... And we knew that Foothill was here, but uh, we hesitated to start looking here because our last couple of years at the old church, we, we, we had some painful experiences. And we really believed that going to church shouldn't be a painful experience. So we started looking elsewhere. And quickly we found out that there's a lot of weird churches out there. A lot of churches that just teaches the Bible different. And that's all I'll say about that. Um, throughout this process, we did consistently sought we, did, we consistently sought after God and trusted him that we would, he would lead us where he wanted us to go. And after about six weeks of trekking out these surrounding churches, we made the decision to try Foothill. Uh, even if it was just to check it off the list. You know, we weren't sure because, you know, you guys are weird too. Um, I'm just joking. You're some, well, anyway. Our first Sunday was in September, and it was the day of baptisms. I don't know if you guys remember that day, but you guys must have had like a thousand baptisms that day. Mind you, this is our first day, okay? And the service lasted long into the afternoon. I mean, probably, I don't know, 10 o'clock at night or something like that. Uh, but we didn't get up and leave. Of course, we were in the center aisle, and we were blocked on both sides. Um, 
But there, even there, you can see God's work at hand. All right? We knew that there was something different here at this church. And in the year plus since that day, we have greatly experienced God's grace. The way in which we have been welcomed is amazing, uh, even by the big, ugly, bald guys. It is almost as if we haven't missed a beat. I guess that's a dense reference. I shouldn't have said that. Never mind. Um, I don't want to mention any names, but there are some families out there who are just dear to my heart because of the way that they have treated my family, especially my wife and my daughter, Jazz. Um, they got to the point where they, they stopped wanting to go to church because of the pain that they were suffering. Um, but these uh, families, especially the ladies in these families, helped them in their adjustment to the church, reaching out in friendship and giving them both opportunities to serve in many ways. Uh, seeing Jazz go off to uh, Johnny and friends on a couple occasions just, I mean, it melts my heart just to think about it. Um, it. It's to the point where Jazz actually loves to come to church again. And that's just, as a father, that, that's a great thing. To see my family grow again is a great thing. And it's all because of, of God's grace leading us to this church. And it's not just Julianne and Jazz, but each of us, my daughter Becca and Timmy and my son Timmy, sorry, and I've began to, to build relationships, and there's, there's just many, many more years that I look forward to, to growing and getting to know you guys and just being a part of this, of this great uh, fellowship. Um, and we have greatly enjoyed uh, the teaching, both in Sunday school and from the pulpit. Um, and I truly believe that God's grace, without God's grace, none of this would happen. So I want to say thank you very much, uh, Fidel. Good morning, friends. Uh, Becky and I'd like to share with you a situation that happened to us in August of this year, six days after our daughter Brianne was born. Brianne was born on Tuesday, August 12th, and I was taking some time off work with her after her birth. On the following Sunday night, I planned a daddy sleepover, which is a night where our three boys and I sleep side by side on the floor between the beds in their room. We've had a sleepover like this close to a dozen times up to that point and ready for business as usual. However, due to some mischief from our oldest son, I decided we would postpone the sleepover to the next night. When the night, when the next night arrived, I remember telling the boys, you guys are getting too darn big. We're moving our sleepover to the living room tonight. So after the standard flashlight fun and a little reading, uh, we hit the rack around 9 p.m. in our now much roomier campground, which is located next door to the boys' room in the living room. It was the first time we slept outside of their bedroom for a sleepover. Uh, about two and a half hours later, I woke to something that sounded like an explosion in the next room, our boys' room. I sat up half asleep and heard what I felt, heard and felt the walls of our house shaking hard as if we were having a large earthquake, but at the same time, accompanied by grinding gears, screeching tires, breaking wooden glass, it felt like the whole side of our house was being torn off. Uh, I ran into our bedroom to get my pistol. Given our location, center of a quiet community, speed bumps, etc., I thought it was unlikely that this was simply an accident. Um, as I approached our boy's room, I'd like to tell you I was reciting the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, <laughs> kindness, etc. 
Uh, but that wasn't the case. I was pretty riled up, and I was ready to show whoever was on the other side of the door they picked the wrong house if necessary. Um, when I opened the door to their room, I couldn't believe what I saw. Uh, whoever was there was gone, and so was the corner of my house. A couple of my neighbors called to me and said they were going after the person responsible, so I didn't really have to take care of that. I didn't know all the details, but essentially someone had just driven their truck through our son's bedroom and into our backyard, backed up over and through the rubble the way he came, and then drove away. Uh, Becky came out to see what happened with our new baby in her arms. That was pretty, pretty difficult to see. And I asked her to get a head count of our three boys in the living room. Sometimes during sleepovers, our boys would get back into bed sometime during the night, and they hadn't. Interestingly enough, our three sons slept through all the commotion and were still asleep in the next room. Uh, turns out a local guy in his early 20s had been drinking heavily at a party just around the corner from our house. Some of his friends were walking through our neighborhood when it happened because one of them lived a few hundred yards away. My guess, he was trying to drive to his friend's house. He came up a few hundred yards short. Uh, Becky's parents came over to help with waking up our boys and telling them they were going to continue the sleepover at their house, which is true. We didn't want to lie to our children. Becky left with our children and dog to get them away from the mess, and I stayed home. For the rest of the night, we couldn't stop thinking about what might have been. Had the accident happened on, my, on any other standard work night, Brian would have probably been killed, being that the driver drove directly over his bed, leaving his head born and stuffed animals scattered in our backyard. Any other daddy sleep overnight, some if not all of us would have been killed or seriously injured because uh, we would lay on the floor crossed between the bunks. Uh, if he didn't get us driving through, he most likely would have on his way out. Beyond that, I started thinking about how I might have reacted if I'd walked into their bedroom uh, with my pistol after he had possibly killed some or all of my children. Would I have showed him grace and mercy? I don't know. Uh, but what I do know is this. We've lived in that house around 2,000 days, and on just about every single one of those nights, little boys have slept in that room. By God's grace alone, they didn't on that night. Instead of a horrible ending, everything went as well as it possibly could have. No one in our family was killed or injured or even traumatized by the event, except maybe my wife here a little bit. <laughs> uh, the young man who crashed into our home undoubtedly caused himself some serious trouble, but again... Um, by God's grace alone, didn't completely destroy his life by taking one. When I returned to work, some of my coworkers couldn't believe how lucky I was, and one, a friend, even complimented me on my incredible intuition. <laughs> I was forced to lovingly ask him if he had lost his mind. Um, Friends, we are, of course, overjoyed that this did not have a terrible ending, but so much more grateful that our gracious and merciful God has opened our hearts to the gospel and given us the eyes to see this for what it is, his incredibly awesome providence at work and not simply random chance. I just ask that each of you, when you have a moment, pray for the soul of the young man involved in the accident. that God would open his heart to the gospel, that he too would be given the eyes to see the grace and mercy that was poured out on him that night. Thank you.
Hello, wonderful FBC family. Uh, my name is Rob Binky, and this is my wife, Cindy. Um, we've been members of this church for about five years. Um, the Lord led us here through some difficult times as, uh, as growing believers. Um, we are small group leaders in the Young Marrieds group. Uh, we're one of the small group leaders. Um, we cherish those relationships with those, with those group members. Um, we are thankful for this church for putting us in a leadership position um, and trusting us with shepherding a small flock of individuals. Um, what we'll be talking to you guys today is just giving you our testimony, letting you know the ways that the Lord's uh, been working in our life, the way He continues to work in our life, and some of the events that have happened since, um, since last um, holiday season. Um, it was actually a year and three days ago that we said goodbye to our son, um, Grant. He passed away in a routine surgery. Um, he was getting his head reshaped. It's called craniosynosis, where um, the sutures in his skull prematurely close and um, they need to open them. So it's less than 1% fatality rate, and we had no expectation of him passing away. Um, we were nervous for the surgery, and um, but we had been faithfully praying and it was a huge, huge, deep, uh, valley of, of fear and terror when they told us that he had passed away. So, um, that was a year ago. Uh, 10 days after that, my father, who many of you know, KR Dennis, um, unexpectedly passed away of a heart attack while we were at a family vacation. Um, again, this was something that was completely unexpected, like the passing of Grant but that's something that the Lord providentially placed in our lives during that time, knowing that um, his work as a father was completed and the things he had taught me, the wisdom he had given me was now um, mine to pass on to my children. Amidst all the suffering that we have gone through, we've seen God's grace. Um, we have seen firsthand how faithful and powerful and loving that he is towards myself and Cindy and our daughter Parker. Everybody grieves differently. Um, it's just a fact of life. Um, we're not saying that our way is better than anybody's ways. What we're saying, uh, or what we will be saying in our testimony, is ways that have helped us as a family, us as a couple, uh, grieve the loss of both our son and, and father. Um, so first I'm going to talk about building the foundation, um, things that we did in this church when we, when we decided to go all in. And then Cindy will talk about staying close to the church body through the fellowship. So, um, it all started over seven years ago. Uh, me and Cindy were not married yet. Uh, we came, we, I was attending here, she was attending another church, and we decided to make FBC our home, uh, primarily through conversations we had with Pastor David during our premarital counseling. Um, we realized that FBC was the place where we wanted to um, make our home church. Uh, we were in agreement with this before we were married, and we began attending again um, over seven years ago. Well, um, at, at the beginning, it was show up at church at 1030 and leave at 1201, and 50-minute sermons were very difficult for us. Um, there was a lot of late nights on Saturdays, late nights on Fridays, and not making church a commitment to, um, to our life. We were not committed at all. We started to open up our hearts more to the sermons, more towards what Pastor David was preaching about in his sermons, and decided that if we were going to make this our church home, we needed to spend some serious time and put some effort into 
into making that happen. So um, what many of you know about this church is that a lot of people serve here, and that's one of the areas we decided to begin at. Cindy in the choir, where she met a lot of good friends, um, and me as an usher, where I was... Um, I had the opportunity to interact with the church family weekly, face-to-face, um, and shake everybody's hands as they were walking in. Um, as we began doing this, we quickly figured out that we loved serving. It was an area of um, immense joy for us. Um, it was something that we enjoyed doing. And we decided that we needed to find out more ways to do this. So we started attending what was in the Coram Deo Sunday School class and were challenged and pushed here through some difficult times of showing up, not showing up, showing up, not showing up to um, to come to be faithful members of the class. And we owe a lot of that through the counsel and wisdom of Pastor Vince and Gabrielle Nicotra. We also started establishing, establishing relationships with the church body um, through all ages, through an Oikos group with uh, Simon and Jessica Pernitis. Um, again, that was that was something that was very difficult for us because it it forced us to allow other people into our life and forced us to be involved in other people's life as well. We started building relationships with believers of all ages. Um, the way that Oikos groups used to function is there'd be older members, um, younger members with no kids, singles, little kids. It was a whole group of people, and we started building these relationships and. Um, and begin to walk in obedience and suck up information like sponges. People invested in us at, during that time, and we wanted to put our um, investment into other people as well. Um, so we started doing Bible studies. We started um, book studies with more mature believers in the congregation. We let people to lovingly correct us and train us. Um, and encourage us what the biblical roles of marriage should look like. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to reflect the Christ church relationship um, in our marriage as well. So everything was going good, um, but we still didn't feel fulfilled because we, we had no children and we had been married for a couple of years and we had been trying and trying and trying to have um, children and, and the Lord was not ready for us to go through that yet. Um, not until we opened ourselves up to the small group did the Lord answer those prayers? Um, we, after a year of trying, we finally came to our small group, our Oikos group, and um, let them know the struggles we were having, and they began to pray for us. Um, and um, and we were blessed with a daughter, um, Parker, who many of you know. Many of you saw us go through the struggles with her, um, the suffering that we had to go through when we were um, first became parents. Um, Parker was born two months prematurely, had a four-month NICU stay for some issues that she eventually grew out of. So it was a blessing that um, we were able to take her home after four months of the NICU. When she came home, um, we had a different life than most um, parents with newborn babies. We, she was on a G-tube. She took all of her meals in through, through the G-tube. She was on an oxygen tank, an apnea monitor. We had a lot of specialty doctors that we had to follow up with. And we quickly learned our expectations are not the Lord's. Um, And we needed to rely on him every day in tangible ways. Mm -hmm. And we needed to give up all control that we had. Um, Another thing that's really stuck out to us this last year is um, just enabled to grow, you need to stay close with the church body. And we realized that 
our marriage needed um, the church and will continue to need the church, but we also um, are needed by others. And we never fully grasp that um, we're all members of the body and um, God works through the unity of the body and each member is needed. Um, so um, some ways we've learned this is, yes, we were very heartbroken. Um, it was awful. Um, there was times where it seemed like tears could not stop falling. Um, sometimes, you know, we talked about just crawling in a hole, just us and Parker and um, being away from everybody. Um, but in the Lord's grace, having Parker, we were forced to live, uh, forced to um, teach her about life still and continue and um, teach her about who God is and why we were sad and why we were feeling the way we were feeling. And um, many other friends and members of the church reached out to us and through cards and meals and invites and um, gifts. And we just quickly realized that when we talked to others about how we were feeling, um, when we opened up our hearts and not only helped us, but it was an encouragement to others. And true fellowship allows people in, as Rob was saying. And it would have been easier on many levels to just stop and to um, shut out. And the Lord sovereignly placed people in our lives that cared about us and um, forced us to be vulnerable and um, wanted to ache with us and encourage us. And um, we could see that God was um, lovingly working everything um, for his good, for his purpose. So um, specifically, something we were encouraged by is our small group and the first people we interacted with other than our family and the pastors was our small group two days after he died and we didn't need to go um we wanted to go because of the relationship relationships we had made and um we knew that we could cry with them and they proved to be there and a deeper level than we could have ever asked for and um we knew pulling away from our small group was not an option and we were given the option to step down for a while but um for us, we made ourselves commit and go every week because if we knew we pulled away, we would sink into that sorrow, into that pit, and it would be the easiest thing to do. And God's path is never the easiest one. It's the narrow path, and it's hard to make the hard decisions. Um, so instead, we shared, and we shared with not only our small group, but anyone who would let us in, who asked and who cared. And there's so many of you guys that did, and um, we appreciate it so much mm -hmm. because when we were able to share, when we were struggling with things like contentment, um, which was struggling where God had us, um, with, um, struggling when anger would creep in. And I specifically wanted someone to blame. Um, four months after Grant died, we had a meeting with doctors to try to clarify why he passed away when, um, all the, um, medical, field showed that he shouldn't have died in something so routine. Um, and we didn't get those answers and, um, we didn't get that closure. New feelings were crept in and because people followed up with us and asked and cared, we couldn't just delve into this hole. We had to, you know, um, talk about it. And because we had built our marriage so strongly, um, even if we weren't on the same page, sometimes we eventually got there because we were forced to work um, through communication and prayer and um, talking about our feelings. 
and talking about who God is. So um, people would continue to encourage us and um, kept pointing us back to run to Jesus mm -hmm. and um, to run to Jesus with all your emotions, whether it's joy or sadness. Um, don't be angry with the situation because who allows the situation? God. And we have been encouraged back to the basics, basically, of training our thoughts and remembering mm -hmm. who God is and all of his attributes of being loving and faithful and merciful and a shepherd that cares deeply about his sheep. And it's powerful. Um, so though God could have allowed Grant to live, he chose not to. And what will our response be? The same that it has been even through the darkest moments. How can we turn our back on the Alpha and the Omega? and who is time, who is everything, and who is our merciful friend and savior and redeemer. So now friends, FBC family, um, as we continue to understand more of our roles as believers and our role in this church as part of the family, we understand a few things a little more clearly since last year. So first, we completely understand that God allows suffering. He allowed suffering into our lives. Um, sovereignly, he, he placed it there uh, for many reasons, um, some of which we may never see. Um, the, one of the first thoughts that went through our mind after Grant passed was we need to use this as, as an evangelical tool, as a way to spread the gospel far and wide because that's why the Lord helped us to go through this because you know, he, he gave it to me and, and Cindy as... Um, something he wanted us to change in our lives. And although that's true in a lot of ways, you know, we don't know. We don't, we've heard stories about people being touched by our story and, and people being, um, having life changes, but we don't know the truth. Um, but we know that, um, everything he does is purposeful and everything he does is good. And, um, and we don't have to know. It's not. It's not ours to know. It's. It's his. Um, the Lord wants us to turn to Him in these difficult times, and you know, it was never an option for us to go the other way. And we believe, like most of you, that God answers specific prayers in His own timing. Um, so, since Grant passed away, we've prayed every night with our daughter to bless us with a new, a new child, and. The Lord did not answer those prayers for many months, um, but now we're overjoyed to find out last month that Cindy is expecting our third child, and um, we will once again be blessed in that way. So um, we love you all very much, and we cherish the relationships that we have built. We're sorry that we could not be here. Um, I'm probably at the top of a ski lift in Utah somewhere, so. Try not to be too jealous. <laughs> um, thank you for listening to our testimony and God's goodness in our lives. Since they couldn't be here, I'm going to put it on for them.
You know, we all have a testimony. We all have something uh, for which we can be profoundly grateful to our, to our good God for. Some of you are going through some really, really hard stuff. God has not abandoned you. God is with you. God loves you. God sent his son into the world, the Lord Jesus Christ, that he might resolve the greatest problem of the individual human heart. And that is, how do we become reconciled back to our Creator? God reached out to us. He didn't reach out to Him. He reached out to us. He sent His Son into the world. The Lord Jesus Christ died, the innocent on behalf of the guilty. And on the third day, He rose again, conquering sin and death, that we might have life and we might be restored to God. That great gift is available to any who will receive it by faith. If you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, I urge you to receive the gift of eternal life. Call out to Christ to save you. 